I was looking at a, at a couple other international bodies kind of tracking these sort of things. And there was one where they outlined various metrics for quality of life or standard of living. And they gave Canada a bunch of scores. And for housing, people will maybe roll their eyes at this. We were 7.8. That includes not only affordability, but also the quality of the housing. Income, we're at 5.3. Not good. That's what I'm saying. Jobs, we were at 8.4. Education, yeah, we we're at 7.8. Health, we're at 9.5. Work-life balance, we're at 6.5. So if you take all these things like, all right, good jobs, like solid education, terrible income, and terrible work-life balance. So there is something going on where our workforce isn't getting compensated in well in a way that you'd think would be motivating to stay, like at least the high innovator class. We're not going to lose people <clears throat> who want to be here, but the innovation class does go to where the money is because if you're in that world, you go where the funding is, not just because you want to be rich, but because you want to continue the research and, and you want to you know, see your you passions believe in the grow projects, yeah. and <laughs> income at the end of the day. Yeah, not everyone's obsessed with money, but it's hard to turn down and be like, oh, like I can just never have to worry about supporting my family if I go to this other place versus be touching on the fact that if my mortgage goes up 3%, I could be in a dicey situation. Like what's when, the when, point? When, when I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh. When I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh. We're back. We're back. Master Keys podcast. I'm, I'm Chandler Halberton. I'm Neil Andrino. Yeah, welcome back. Yeah, this is a podcast all about real estate investing. It is. We're and real trips abroad. And trips abroad. I brought my favorite shirt from abroad. Yeah. I didn't actually get to wear it on the trip, so I had to wear it today. I didn't know you could get shirts in Tex-Mex flavor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it's lovely. That's a nice design. I, I think it's a cool shirt. I'm going to tell a quick funny story about this shirt right, from, let's go. from university. Um, oh, you've had this shirt since university? I thought this was like my a My whole wardrobe body. I've had since like grade eight. No way. Yeah. So, um, if you couldn't tell? No. But. <laughs> um, anyways, so we were having university pub crawl. I was in engineering. And so it's like the engineering nurses pub crawls. And so everyone gets like a t-shirt and on there's a bunch of tasks that you have to do. And on the front, there's other crap and stuff. So anyways, I got mischievous and drunk and me and a couple of my buddies just went around and started ripping all the sleeves off of everybody's Oh yeah, been shirts. there, done that. We used yeah. to rip the pockets off. <laughs> each other's shirts too like just grab the pocket and just rip it right I'm, off like that whole there'd be a whole yeah, whole thing come off okay cool yeah. and so anyways we we're ripping all the sleeves off then because i ripped off like 50 people's sleeves then obviously mm. everyone attacked me <laughs> so my shirt was just like ripped through the center like it was literally just a couple neil was like oh don't tear my shirt <laughs> off you've been in the gym hadn't eaten in like two weeks <laughs> i just shaved my chest <laughs> <laughs> how's that sponsorship with uh the manscaping coming yeah we're gonna work on that right. <laughs> i'm gonna need that real bad um anyway so my shirt was literally like i just like tied strings of it together nice but i had this shirt and i wore that on top but open so like it basically was open chest mm -hmm. and uh, we go to go to the uh, to the bar of the dome and they had just put in their new dress code and so if you have no sleeves you can't enter oh my god so like 50 yeah. percent of the pub crawl is standing outside and can't get uh -huh. into the final bar as part of the pub crawl then i roll up with just like completely shredded to bits and they let me in because I had this on top. The bouncer so, was like, yeah, he's good. You guys can't go. And so they just had like little like sleeves missing. I'm just like completely in a string bean shirt. And they're like, yeah, wait, that's fine. So we were doing a house crawl when I was in university. Uh, those are fun. They're so much fun. And uh, same deal. We were tearing McGrail's shirt off his body as we <laughs> often did. Like I think we got a full blazer sleeves ripped <laughs> off him one time. Him or Bish, I can't remember. <laughs> but so Grails was just an absolute tatters. And I can remember that because I've got a great picture of him just like chugging a drink and his shirt just ripped. <laughs> um, but he was dating this girl at the time. And on the walk home, they decided to, to stop and make sweet, sweet love. 
Uh-huh, okay. Um, in the in Oh Natural. Oh, yeah, yeah. And this was somewhere in, I mean, all the spots we were bouncing around were like south and Halifax. So this was somewhere on the peninsula. Yeah, yeah. Um, the problem was he was so covered in booze by that point. <laughs> and like, because I think we also were dousing him with, with liquor. And like all the <laughs> sugar that was on him, they accidentally hooked up on an anthill and no he woke up way. the next day and he was just Coated covered in, in, in ant bites. No. <laughs> um, he had no shirt and was covered in booze and yeah. So that's, that's very funny. I'm going to quickly flash you a picture. This is not going on the pod, but I'm going to show you the picture of me. Uh, that oh, night. no, we're going to flash this up on the pod. Yo, <laughs> yo, yo, give me the photo. Oh no. my God. I need, oh, no, like, no, no, that's, that can't be, I can't go. Oh, that's a good thing. Anyways, that's a good all right, this is a podcast <laughs> about real estate, not shirts. So let's, let's change it up here. Yeah, yeah. And okay. if you listen to our last episode, you know that today we're going to be talking about why the standard of living in Canada is declining. Yeah. So I've got a bunch of information here on kind of what I think, and I'm sure you do as well. Before we get into the numbers, though, we want to shout out our key player of the week. Yeah. And so our key player of the week is actually told to me by one of our guests, our Vezzy. I'll show them out now. They're going to be coming on in a couple weeks. Uh, But this key player is Marcus Friend. He's a Canadian business billionaire. Uh, He went billionaire with a B. Billionaire with a B. He went to BC Institute of Technology, um, and he is the founder of Plenty of Fish. I don't know if you've heard of Plenty of Fish. I have heard of Plenty of Fish. I got some funny stories about that as well, but we're not going to go into it. It's a whole separate podcast. Yep. Uh, anyways, that's a dating site, not a hookup site. Made that clear. Um, but anyways, he ended up growing and selling. <laughs> Is it though? He ended up growing and selling that without any partners or any investors. Wow. And he held all 100% of the shares when he sold it for $575 million cash money. When I was in like com. university... And just after university, that was the only, like, there was no Tinder. There was no one of these other things. This was it, it. was POF. P-O-F. Yes, you hear that, sir. Um, today, Man. he now owns and operates one of the largest wineries in BC, Friend Winery. Uh, and he also has now owns and operates and started a Wayfair competitor called Cymax Group, uh, Ooh, which sells on furniture online and then also mm. helps um, big brands start to sell, like House.com and things like that. Anyways, shouting him out because it's super cool to me that he started a business of that scale without needing a bunch of partners and taking a bunch of investment capital. Kind of shows that there's still opportunities depending no matter what you do yeah. to do things organically, slowly maybe, and eventually get to that growth level uh, where you can sell it and make big, big dough. So anyways, very smart guy. He's our key player of the week. Maybe we get him on here. Yeah, yeah. That'd be very cool. Um, that, that's wild, man. That, that site was pretty legendary uh, in its time. <laughs> Um, but that was before what now is so, so commonplace, like online dating and this matchup stuff and, and whatever. But at the time that was like the new, the, the thing. Yeah. But that, when did t- Tinder's been over a long time now? I don't know. Tinder. Don't know. Yeah. That's so. a hookup site. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Fine. All right. Um, Anyways, moving right along. Um, so yeah, let's talk a little bit about this, but, but, uh, before we do, I want to throw a couple things at you high level. Uh, to see what your thoughts are. Okay. Um, so there's this mass public sector or public service strike going on, mm-hmm. like 155,000 people, give or take. Okay. Uh, PSAC, which is the Public Service Alliance. Um, and then there's like 35,000 people working for the CRA, which is great because it's tax time and all of them are on strike as well. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Because we just talked about so how they're many... striking based on the fact that they're underpaid. I mean, it's everything. Yeah, that's like work, the main work, work root, root cause, work conditions. But like it always yeah. rolls back to pay. Yeah, um, pay and benefits. And we talked about how many people just got hired in different forms of public sector. And again, this you, includes like border services, 
um, I think uh, a, a lot of uh, departments like uh, natural resources and all, all these things, kind of all the different public services you might expect beyond things like, you know, healthcare, um, you know, military you, stuff, stuff like that. So, <laughs> so <laughs> this is a very touchy. No, 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 no. Here, so I think, I think like right off the hop, my that number one thing. not coy. Don't you be coy either. <laughs> the first thing that I'm like thinking in my head is, yeah, okay, so like their wages definitely have not paced inflation. No, no one's so have, just straight really. up and no one, no one's yeah. have. And I think everyone in every single industry is kind you of being like, raise, I need a pay raise, raise for sure. Yeah. Uh, to 100%. pay my bills, not because I need to make a bunch of money and go buy something new. I just literally need to pay for groceries. Yep. Um, so I think that's kind of what stirs it and pushes it over the edge and actually kind of caused it. The tough part being is there's a big part of the population that I think looks at those uh, workers and doesn't feel necessarily that they deserve more not whether rightly or wrongly but i think that's like the overall or like at least don't don't cry oh woe is me when you guys have like the best benefits of anyone in the country yeah there's, there's like the guaranteed work best benefits and then there's also a lot of consideration I think, for work-life balance yeah that's one of the things they're uh arguing for is they want to be able to work from home more i thought wouldn't most of them be already have the ability to yeah they don't want to go back okay right and they um, want it to be kind of in, ingrained and a lot of people are like that's not like, so here's my thing with unions. This is going to get a little dicey. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, I feel like the original intent of unions for when, was for when there was such abuse of power by employers, you know, and like we were sending children into mines and like doing all of this really exploitative, sense horrible, horrible stuff. Ceilings um, you know, so you needed some sort of workforce advocacy and that's what unions were initially intended for. And I still think to some degree there is a place for unions. But I feel less strongly about that when it's in the public sector. That's, that's my own personal view because I feel like they are effectively negotiating with citizens, right? I, um, I feel like it needs to be a little stricter. But, 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 wait a second. There's that many people working in there. And we've already talked about how much control a government can have. And so if the government's employing 25% of the population and there's no union within that, that's a dangerous thing. What do you mean? Why? Well, you're saying so these are government-based jobs. Yes. And you're saying if, they, if it's just they're employed by the government, they don't have their own union to represent them. Oh, what? You think the government's just going to like really mistreat all the people that voted them into power? Come on, man. They yeah. No, because they'll be like, all right, well, now you're, we're not going to vote for you. And then we'll rely on the next people to, well, to I think hire it's like us the back principle, for higher wages. The principle of what we're about to talk about. Yeah. I think I, everyone that lives here, we get taxed to the, the hilt and there's lots of things that, get take, that they do that we're like, this is completely yeah. insanity, complete insanity. And then we'll continue to vote them back into place. Yeah. I mean, again, yeah, it's just such a tricky, tricky scenario. I just know that in this particular case, I wish them all the best of luck. I don't sympathize for them. Mm. I think, yes, people should have way like inflation adjusted wages, but all the rest of the stuff, man, we got some people working their tails off in much harder conditions. I totally um, agree. And, you know, their only downfall is that unfortunately they're not working for the government yeah. and can, you know, mobilize 155,000 people nationwide. And, you know, I, I don't think this they, I don't think they can cry. Oh my gosh. You know, poor us here. There's a lot of people way, 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 way worse off. I totally agree. But you do need to stand for whatever you believe in. So that I'm, I agree with. Now They're saying they believe well, they should have more money and more benefits. Well, like, so, here's so the one, here's the one problem cool, that I noble think that we, stand for we that. see. And I feel like someone's going to hate me for this. But they're probably like, okay, if you're an accountant or whatever it may be, you look at someone doing that in the private sector, there's a good chance of getting paid more. 
so then they see that and like, oh, how come I only get paid a fraction of that? But then if you also look at the productivity of that person in the private sector, like what they produce per hour on a dollar basis versus what someone maybe in the government yeah. might produce. And it's not necessarily their fault. It's the way that the government operation works is a job that might, like a, a big project that might take 10 financial bodies. Well, they hire 25 because they can. Mm-hmm. And so the workload gets spread. Also, whereas in private, they're like, okay, this might take 10, so we're going to do this with seven. Also, so they're the private, producing at such a high, high rate. We're going to talk about that yeah. on why it impacts the standard of living. But in the private sector, if you're not the best, you're not getting that money. You're getting fired. That's also it. It's competitive. The it's not public sector, being there. That, that's not a thing. I, right? like, I totally agree. I totally agree. I, the only thing I'm saying is that you do need to stand up for what you, what you want and need. Uh, so that I agree with. Them necessarily needing more, I mm. don't, but I understand that it's. Uh, very expensive to live right now, and I'd be honest, probably most of the salaries are sub six figures, which it makes it very difficult to not even think about getting ahead, just to pay your bills. Like I, that's the thing. Yeah. So. Yeah, no. Again, it, it's 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 complicated, and I feel kind of a couple ways about it. I I also just kind of don't care, but and just how it relates to we talked about how many people are being hired into the public service and how they have phenomenal benefits and job security and all these things. The job security is insane, and like job security is about to become mm-hmm. a lot more relevant too. It hasn't yeah. been because it's been just whatever, but now it's going to be people are getting laid off left, right, and center. The the other thing to, to do a complete change, but talking still about government spending, is I wanted to give you credit where it was due. Oh. Um, where do we start? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a short list. Uh, <laughs> let me just get, know, a, let me get a new page uh, open here. <laughs> um, remember the hotel? Yes. That was contracted. Oh, yeah, what did out. I look What did I say? Uh, so you you ex- thought they were probably paying six hundred thousand dollars a month a month, and I thought that was I'm, I'm like surely it can't be that expensive. Guess who was way too short? Like I was this guy. <laughs> yeah, you were closer than I was. It's a million dollars a month. Oh my gosh! So I think the actual contract was ten million dollars. Yeah. To rent it, and then an additional four million dollars to run uh, a clinic out of it. Yeah. Uh, to provide supports for the individuals there. So that is fourteen million dollars. For one year. So, but for the guy who bought the place. Oh. He gets, he's like, yo, I'm going to get rid of all of my staff. And he gets 100% occupancy at $200 a night per room. Like, I legitimately was like, should we try to buy a hotel? <laughs> I called the you government. get that sucker vacant and just call the government and be like, yo, bring some Two, of them four millions over here. $200 a night. So he's getting six grand a unit. So, like, in a decent location... Those are like what million and a quarter. That's a million and a quarter value per door, sort of thing. Holy, like six grand is what you'd get for a million plus dollar condo. Now, in fairness, there might be a little wear and tear on that. That was my one thing. (laughs) That was my one thing. I was like, I think a little wear and tear. (laughs) He's gonna be changing some cabinets when he gets that thing back. Yeah, yeah, Um, (laughs) yeah. They're not hosting any weddings there this summer. Um, But yeah, I, I was just. I think it's, ooh, needed, right? Like we needed to bring units online. ASAP, but we also talk like this hasn't been a three-year thing. Like we've been doing this podcast for how long now? Two years, basically. Two years, and we were talking about man, they bought all these units and they sure spent a fortune on them. They should probably build some. Well, if they had started construction at that particular moment with fourteen million dollars, oh, don't even say that's crazy. That's been long enough now that you'd be like, all right, units are coming online. Yeah. So fourteen million dollars would get them how many units? Do you think uh, three times 14? forty? Forty. Yeah. If they build them cash. Yeah, yeah. If they build them cash, exactly. If That's you, a key point. If, if they leverage. finance them, even like conservatively, I'm sure CMHC would approve them. I mean, <laughs> that that would have been 150 
owned brand new super conservatively units um which you know if it took two years to build if they started this two years ago mm-hmm. they would own that for 14 million and then also and own other buildings and i'm and sure the, and Lindsay's and marco yeah. and all those boys would gladly step up to the plate to take on their contracts yeah um so Bomberlo. yeah 14 million a year paid for by you know nova scotians mm-hmm. and again we have to sort of think a little bit about how we, we feel about that but Hopefully it all works out great and it's good. <laughs> so moving right along. Um, yeah, <clears throat> moving along. Let's get into standard of living. Yeah. So a lot of this stems from this article that we were looking at um, where the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, which I think is like 30 odd countries, like 30 of the, the top producing countries. Mm-hmm. They've been ranking them. Um, and really, when they look at standard of living, they effectively take GDP per capita. GDP, the gross domestic product yeah. of a country, and then divided by how many people are here. That's how much GDP we're, we're putting out per person. Yep. And we're slipping a little. A little? We're sliding. It's a little slide. We've been on a, sli- we've been on a slide that I might be getting a little sleep- steeper. Well, it's been on a slide for 40 years. Yeah. Um, I think, I don't know if I have, I think we're sixth in 1981, and we're like 12th now. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think they're projecting us to fall even further. Everyone's projecting us to fall further. Yeah. So a couple schools of thought as to why. You've got some, some notes over there. I, I got a ton of notes. say on this. Well, no, I've just, I was going to let you finish it before I started saying stuff. But there's other factors that have been like, measured as well, like global competitiveness. Mm-hmm. We started that in 97. And we have slipped every single year that we've been on it. Same thing. We're up in like the top like seven or eight. I think we're sixth. And now we're down to 14th. And that's the same thing. That's a measure of... Uh, innovation and growth it's mm-hmm. the same concept of like not only because right there basically what's measuring is how we're factoring our gdp versus others on top of it like slowing like how much are we growing and slowing so on that chart if you know what i mean if you right, break yeah, up yeah. the acceleration within <clears throat> that um we were originally near the top and now we keep falling off and we're slowing down so the basically the pace that we're growing at not only is it slower it's slower relative to even other big countries that are slowing down well, this makes sense because other countries have things that they point to and be like, we do that. And you and I have said a lot of times, like, we do real estate and people. Mm-hmm. And I guess a bit of oil and some natural resources, but maybe not as much as we should. Let's, I'll let you keep going before I get, I got a lot of, I got a lot of things here. Well, I mean, the thing that stood out for me is that GDP per capita is, is kind of interesting because it has obviously the component of your population. And the thing where we're, we can look at this either positively or negatively, like the numbers could be skewed in the sense that we're growing more quickly than some of those countries, right? Like we're growing a lot and our GDP is not keeping pace with our people growth. And there's two ways you can look at that. It's like, okay, well, hopefully we bring in these people that will lead to some productivity that will increase our GDP over time. And we're just facing this little momentary blip where, you know, we grew our GDP by 1%, but we grew our population by 1.2%. And as a result, you know, the, the, the GDP per capita has to decline in that particular case. But perhaps moving Once forward established with more people, to, you know, provide their, their good human capital, we'll start producing. we can actually raise our GDP. That was my silver lining. You can look at it that way. The alternative yeah. is like, we're bringing these people here. Like, are we making sure we're bringing the right people here? Are we setting them up for success? What are they adding to, to the economy? So... On that same note, just to put that in perspective, um, I have a bunch of stats here kind of comparing us to the states because they're the most similar to us. 
And so like what you said, I agree with the fact that, yeah, we have so many people moving here and then it takes time for them to get established and start creating or, or producing money. Um, but to put a couple of items that I pulled up here was the U.S., their average person produces $74 of value per hour, whereas a Canadian worker produces $57 per hour. Hmm. Okay, so that's about 18 bucks less. Um, and the reason being is they have very high immigration numbers as well, right? They're running a similar style, but their business investment, the amount of portion of their GDP that goes into business investment is 50% higher than what you will see in Canada, which right. results in more machineries and t- more machines, tools, education, R&D that will help to make their people produce higher. Right. So I think it's a, it's a bigger thing than our immigration situation. We might be immigrating at a higher percentage of population, but it, yeah, at some sure. point it has to turn around and start to create something. And we're not seeing that in our GDP. Like it's not being reflected in the growth of our businesses. Well, there's also something to be said for the fact that we bring these people over who are highly skilled in a lot of cases and then give them jobs that are far beneath them. So one of the things we need to do is when we're bringing people here, we've got to do a better job of converting their qualifications, be it academic qualifications, professional experience, certification, or whatever it is, and matching it up to whatever the heck we do here. Mm -hmm. Because there's no sense to bring someone from a country that in a lot of cases their productivity, their GDP per capita is better than ours. So we know that worker can do the work at a high level and yet we downgrade them. Like, okay, cool. You've got this qualification. Well, here's, you know, a crappy labor job, right? Mm -hmm. Like we we have to, while we wait to see if you'll be certified or we make you take all these courses to match up, we need to fast track that because if we're going to bring people here, uh, we should empower them to, to be successful and add to the community and, and, and add to our, our economy effectively. 100%. And I think we're cutting them off at the knees a little bit there. So that was one of my things. The other thing I kind of wondered about, because it talked about how, like, are we that competitive? And I thought about this before. Like, we so often have companies that are like, oh, this company's big in Nova Scotia. Or that company's big in New Brunswick. I'm big. Or this company's big in PEI. It's like, man, what does that even mean? That's not big at all, really. Well, we so don't have as many like big did, bigs. To put this, you know? another thing to put it in perspective is we're tenth in the world by GDP. Okay. okay. But but top top ranking companies, our highest company on the list, Fortune's like list of a thousand companies, our highest is 158th. Whereas the U.S. has, I think, five of the top seven. So, like, we don't have. You could argue we don't have, and the one that's up there is Brookfield Asset Management. Asset Management, aka mm. they, Brookfield owns a ton of real estate. So basically, Canada needs more billionaires. <laughs> I mean, there's some sort of thing going on there. <laughs> but there's some like no one likes the term trickle down economics. They just that that's not doesn't go over well with people. However, there's something going on there where like we don't have these major corporations. Um, and as a result, like we don't seem to produce as high GDP per capita. You, but there, there's there's one simple reason though for all these people not being here and these business, like there's a reason we don't keep even our own talent. Like we we we're one of the highest producing talent countries through our education system. You think we're just getting poached? We're getting poached because <clears throat> it's the other thing is you look at how far your money goes. It, it goes like in the states, it's an income per person based on purchasing power is seventy five thousand dollars. In Canada, it's fifty seven thousand. Yeah. Yeah. So even if the numbers were the same, they said, okay, what's the purchasing power get you? And you're like, oh, everything costs so much more. And then there's the other item of the taxes. If you're a big company, every big business, they will set up shop in Canada to avoid tariffs, but all their headquarters, all their R&D, everything that they do is in the States. All their high-paying jobs, States. 
They're, they're not because it doesn't make sense. So, like, so why, why, why is that? What, why aren't we? Why aren't we? Bigger? Because as a business, you're going to get a higher tax rate. Right. Right. If you go public in the Canadian exchanges, you face a ton of tax penalties and you have a ton of scrutiny on what you have to do with your money every single year. Right. Like it, it would end up nuking the businesses a lot of the times. Like they just nuke their potential growth. Hmm. Um, and then the people that want to work for you, it's like I'll pay you 250 in Canada, you're going to walk out with 140 of it. We'll pay you 250 in the States and you're going to walk out with 200 of it. The other thing is that Dodge Ram that you want for $80,000, it's actually 60K in the States. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like every and you want that house. You've seen it. We've all seen it. Go go on Instagram, watch reels. Okay, five hundred thousand dollar house, compound, like legit compound. Five hundred thousand dollar house here. We've all seen those. What what does that even yeah. equate to? You have to drive to some basically beat up home now outside of town that needs a bunch of maintenance and is nothing special. So you think it's um it it's a to some degree a corporate tax issue and then a um, after tax income issue, but there's got to be something else about why, like, we're not fostering ingenuity and and advancement to some degree. Because there are some people out there that are just out there to trying to come up with things and trying to no, launch businesses. Okay, so regardless, here's another of, one. I'll give of, you another one. I'll give you another one right now. This was actually my physics TA, first year university. <clears throat> uh, Chris Burns would be sick if we got him on here. Actually, he's me keep player of the week, but. Uh, he started things called uh, Novonics uh, Battery Technologies. He worked with Jeff Don. Uh, some of you guys might know Jeff Don. He is a leading battery researcher in the world. Uh, he gets works now with Tesla Research Lab in Dalhousie. Elon Musk calls on him. Like when Tesla has press releases worldwide, Jeff Don will be involved. Um, so anyways, some of the leading battery research is done here. Chris started another business that's involved in battery research. And I feel like the Canadian government gave him like a couple million bucks through like a co-op or whatever the program was. Uh, U.S. government, I think they like funded him like a hundred million dollars to come mm. build his facility in the States. So like literally immediately done. Like where am I going? Am I going to go to Texas where I can get a hundred million dollar check to build a facility and upsize 10x? Or am I going to stay here and build a facility with my two million dollars? Right. He is a local. Went and he, t- he taught at the school here all this. So he's staying and he's building a facility in Burnside. But at the same time, He's building a facility that's 10 times the size in Texas. Right. So tell me his business is not ultimately going to end up down there. Is he going to put his well, best? It, 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 the business you, is already there. His business yeah. is already there. Yeah. Majority of the, of the business is there. And once he opens there and he's like, oh, shit, I'm making 90% of our income there. I'll just keep this as a legacy thing because I'm from Dartmouth or whatever. But I'm not going to run my business here. Like, And I can't keep my top talent because, again, I'm paying them a bunch of money. They're not really seeing it come home. The other thing is when you're here, what are you going to spend it on? They don't mm-hmm. have all the luxuries that you would want from like a lot of the bigger cities that they have down there. So like it's it's a it's a thing. Yeah. And then and here he I guarantee you he will pay he probably pay on the same on the one tenth size business. I guarantee you he will feed as much money in taxes as he does on his ten x business down there. Yeah. Like I bet you he cuts the same tax bill for those two businesses. And it's he'll like, also have why am ha- I going to stay? Potentially he'll also have a little bit more trouble recruiting top tier talent here. That's what I mean. Supposed to down there yeah. trying trying to haul somebody to come to go work in Burnside like that's. Well, that's interesting because I was looking at a, at a couple other um, international bodies kind of tracking these sort of things. And there was one where they outlined various metrics for quality of life or standard of living. Um, and they gave Canada a bunch of scores. And for housing, people will maybe roll their eyes at this. We were 7.8. But that includes not only affordability, but also the quality of the housing. Whoa, sorry, 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 sorry. Say that again? For housing, we scored a 7.8. Well, what's the rank? What's the, what's Out of 10. 10 being? The best. Okay. <laughs> Just make it turn. I missed it. I missed it. The best. No. Yeah. <clears throat> um, income, we're at 5.3. Not good. That's what I'm saying. Jobs, we're at 
Education, yeah, we're at seven point eight. Health, we're at nine point five. Um, work life balance, we're at six point five. So if you take all these things, like all right, good jobs, like solid education, terrible income, and terrible work life balance. So there is something going on where our workforce isn't getting um, compensated in well in a way that you'd think would be motivating to stay. Like at least the high innovator class. We're not going to lose people who want to be here, but the innovation class does go to where the money is because if you're in that world, you go where the funding is, not just because you want to be rich, but because you want to continue the research and and you want to you know, see your you passions in the grow. Projects, yeah. And work-life balance and like enjoyment of your life is so important. And <clears> income <throat> at the end of the day, yeah, not everyone's obsessed with money, but it's hard to turn down and be like, oh, like I can just never have to worry about paying like my whole, like supporting my family if I go to this other place and do the exact same thing. And I can live the same life, but be like unbelievably financially stable versus be touching on the fact that if my mortgage goes up 3%, I could be in a dicey situation. Like, what's the point? Yeah. Um, so we got to invest more into R&D, basically, and startup stuff. Yeah, but you're gonna, the only way you're going to get that is by removing the taxes. You have to do some, some sort of tax incentive for new businesses like that to be able to come here and want to do it. Because if otherwise, every time they're going to leave because it just doesn't make sense to, well, yeah. to be here. The only thing I want to add into that, it's funny about the work-life balance. Did you happen to see what the States was? Uh, it was better, but I, I, I can't remember. Because I actually, then I compared what's, all What's crazy two. is that the States actually mm-hmm. have an average of uh, 33% more work hours per uh, pay period than Canada does. So really? they're actually working more hours. No but way. I don't know how they're, how they're getting that rating, but I feel like yeah. people are rating that and they probably feel like it's well, work-life exactly. balance. A lot of this was, was self-reporting. It's yeah. self-reporting. And so people yeah. feel like they have a work-life balance because they feel like they're getting something for their work mm-hmm. because they can pay their bills because they have whatever they, they are into a certain vehicle. They have that. They want to go on trips. They can do that. They, whatever it is. That was a funny thing. I saw an article just to circle back <clears throat> to those, uh, those striking federal workers that like <laughs> in like um, some of their self-reporting stuff, a lot of people that work there talk about how great of a place it is to work. And like, they actually really enjoy the work that they do. Um, <laughs> If you come but, back and you fire me to up the pays for the other 50%, I would like to, to go re- revoke what I've said and yeah. cancel the strike. Yeah. And anyway, <clears throat> kind of interesting. Yeah, it, it is sort of, it's funny. I've never really thought about that. And I keep hearing all the stuff that there's a lot of innovation and a lot of cool stuff happening in Halifax and Nova Scotia. And there's grants and all these startups and blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, I never see them. <laughs> so, no, like, so I'm not trying to be a, a jerk here. But, like, at some point, <clears throat> if they're going to grow to an amount that'll move the needle, like, from a, a GDP per capita, like, what we're talking about, yep. I should, at some point, see them on a building. And wow. there's a couple popping exactly. up, right? But if you look around here, what are our big buildings? Like, they have to do with real estate, like, not just because they're <laughs> buildings, but because they're... Or the banks. You know, or the banks. Or a government office. Or government. Like, everything here, it's like, that's a public space. Um, over down there, that's a public space in terms of like museum, Nova Scotia power, condos, like, apartments, condos, apartments. Like, <laughs> that, that's, that's all there is. Like, there's no, oh, wow, this is that crazy startup company and they're doing great down mm-hmm. here in, in downtown. Like, so yeah, it's gotta be money, but, or, or is there some sort of Canadian element too, where we're just not there, that there's, there's the other competitive, like, like non-changeable item, which is like weather and more people are going to like the warm, dry climates that you have in the States. <laughs> And then the other the other item because of that that that's just like its own draw. And then with bigger population base, everything you do can grow ten times yeah, the speed, or that's true. maybe not even grow ten times the speed. But like in most Canadian cities, 
there's not a big enough market to feed a lot of the like a lot of businesses to hit the critical revenue. Like, yeah, if you're starting a new business and it's kind of a dicey gamble, are you going to do it in a city of a hundred thousand where you might get one percent right. of, of potential people being a thousand people, or are you going to go to a city that's like not a hundred million but ten million? Well, this is why I feel like there could be this lag if if we bring all these people in. Those are more consumers to potentially consume a yeah. product if you develop it, but it also should hopefully be human capital to bring some ingenuity and also are people who are probably have a high risk tolerance because they're like, man, I just uprooted my life. I came across here to start from yeah. zero. I don't care about rolling the dice. And do I, I think to some degree, Canadians are a little bit more risk averse than other parts of the world. We like our safe, secure, you know, government jobs. We like to chill. We like to have good benefits. You know, we, we tap ourselves on the back and say healthcare is free. We live in the greatest country ever. The numbers don't bear any of that out. Um, and our, even our self-reporting about quality of life and sense of fulfillment don't necessarily bear that out. But we like, a lot of people like the status quo that well, we have here. And well, okay, so here's what I'm going to say. On the flip side, the positives for Canada. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of it before, but it's called the Gini coefficient. It measures uh, wealth disparity effectively. It's between zero to one. One being like complete disparity and zero being everyone's equal. And this is where we would beat the states. The states is 0.5, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. right? So 0.5, which would be like right in the middle, but which again is fairly high. Canada is 0.39, right? right? So where we have a lot less disparity. Um, so that, like that's, I said, they just want to make us all equally poor. And I was going to quote you on that. They want to make us all equally poor. The other thing is like, you can come here and political stability for the most part has been good. Everyone was a little freaked out by a truck rally, but overall, mm-hmm. I don't think anyone got... <laughs> killed or anything in that process like it's a uh, pretty low-key protest days um there's like less disparity we are ranked i think as the lowest or one of the lowest corruption countries which i feel like for a lot of people coming from overseas they're exhausted with the constant corruption well, it's hard to be it's, corrupt in a place where they just drown you with red tape like <laughs> even like the scammers like you know what it's not even worth it i gotta fill out all these forms <laughs> um and we were ranked for having good nice people relative to other countries that one's very subjective and living here i don't know if i necessarily 100 percent agree um it's like everyone says when you visit a place they feel super nice but when you live there you don't necessarily think that um but so we do have some of those strengths and to what you said i think the political stability and the ability to come here and get a government job which is super secure is nice because again if you're coming from even the states you could have a amazing job everything can be going well holy crap there's a helicopter flyby god that's low He's lower than this building, which means he's like 35 feet off the ground. Well, anyway. Anyways, um, speaking of government employees, yeah. <laughs> the boys are up for lunch just whipping yeah, and yeah. They're just hitting Tim's <laughs> down at the end of Barrington before they go on their uh, recreation or physical education oh training my God, for so two hours this afternoon. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not standing by anything you just said. <laughs> when, they come, when they come here to beat you up, I'm going to be like, leave like man, I didn't say it. I didn't say right. it. Show um, Tim Richard. He, he, to, he would have been on that that <laughs> helicopter. Um, anyways, the other thing is, if you come from a country where mm. the economy swings, there's all this corruption, you could be like running your life, everything going well, and both your par- both partners get laid off, and you're like you have kids, and you're literally completely hooped. And so coming here and being like, we now have government jobs. I never have to stress about not being able to feed my kids, not being mm-hmm. able to house yeah. them, all those items. Uh, there is that that sentiment, but in the world of like business this doesn't feel like a great place to be doing business. And I've been saying that for a long time. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, they just don't incentivize it. 
right? That's yeah. kind of been the, the thing. They just don't, they don't, they need to make incentives. And the biggest one that they're doing is that the only incentive they can do, because now they've put the taxes up so high and they've taxed absolutely everything and control everything, they need to start pulling those back. Otherwise, large companies are not going to want to come here. And if anyone starts to grow a large company, they're going to leave. Yeah. It's, uh, and again, it just means we're over-reliant on all this wealth needing to be stored in real estate. Like I saw some crazy figure too that in 2022, either 2021 or 2022, the average person in Toronto made more income in their property than they made in their job. Oh, and, the, and during COVID, I think like, like the average person in every province probably did that. I don't know about Maybe that. Maybe not a but, couple, but like a lot of, a yeah. lot of people would have. Yeah. It just, again, it's just such a reliance on, on real estate here. It's a complete and total reliance on real estate. The part that gets nerve wracking is the numbers get so stretched where your the debt payments are insane and your income really hasn't grown. So you're completely on a net worth basis. And so it really is a yep. house of cards. Like it's genuinely a complete house of cards. If the debt continues to grow, like, you see some of these Scandinavian countries and European countries that have very high real estate values. Predominantly, they're family homes that are being passed down and they're not carrying these massive debt loads on these properties. Yeah, they might be worth four million bucks, but they're only carrying a million dollars of debt. Yeah, someone might have bought in with that much money then. That's different because they had the million dollar down payment and they're able to make the payments so they got approved for it. But here we have this idea that you just have to keep buying and forcing yourself into it. And so people <laughs> are wedging themselves into positions that they can't actually suffice. Well, like, if you look at these things kind of combined, we also have really high household <laughs> debt relative to GDP, right? Relative That's, to states. Yeah. So we have a country whose GDP per capita is shrinking relative to its competitors, right? So on a you know, per capita basis, like we're, we're kind of contracting. Then we have really high debt um, relative to GDP and re- relative to household income and all these things. There is to some degree... Um, something dangerous within that where our country just becomes less and less productive and then all of its citizens are in debt. Well, what in theory could counter that ledger? Like if your citizens are in debt, at least your country better be really productive because otherwise the whole system is just a vacuum. It's it's just an empty hollow core. Now on the flip side, could Great it get time to, to buy? <laughs> could, well, yeah. No, um, but <clears throat> could it result? Like, is the end goal here, where Canada is this super stable, super safe climate, where people really want to live here, and really real estate? Yeah, we like kind of rag on it for being a driver for the GDP, but in some ways too, like if the prices are super high and there's foreign investment constantly buying it, like we'll continue to build it, and it does employ a ridiculous amount of people. Like to build one big apartment building. It takes a ton of people to make that thing go up. Yeah, but we're we're, we're super reliant on that foreign investment coming in, That's, as opposed to like exporting, you know, proprietary but the, stuff. But as the world right? grows, there'll be continue to be more and more turmoil outside of this country. You think? Eh? And we're not that big, and so it's like it doesn't take that many people to keep the, tr- the train running. So if we keep it at this current pace, like how long can that go on for? Where we're like, okay, people are like everyone's gonna be living like there's gonna be more and more turmoil across the world, and there is, there already is. Right. And, and same with like on the environment side, there's places that are getting less and less habitable. Like you look at yeah, we sc- Miami we well and stuff like that, one side. wave and they're going to be gone. Like <laughs> they're literally, I had friends down there last week at Fort Lauderdale and they're like, yeah, they have two feet of water in every single parking lot. It's yeah. not even on the news anymore because that's just like a normal shift know, of the so tides. Weird. They're just like, yeah, the tide went up an extra four feet. 
whatever, man. Insurance replaced all your cars. We're going to send them up to Canada. They'll be fine. Um, so it's, people are going to be starting to get away from that. And we're in a much more stable place. And they're really going to push for like the green, I'll say green energy requirements. Like we'll, we'll start to feed into some of those. And I think it could potentially go to the point where like you have patient much the have and have nots here, but the have nots would be basically government employed. So they're living a decent quality of life and it's very safe and stable. And then the, the few that are haves here will be like out of this world. Yeah. Is well, that, could we, could we sustain that? Is that like, could you just run an entire country basically on, on a basic real estate? I was thinking about that. I was like, I was yeah. like, we're saying this like it's all bad and that we're super reliant on real estate. But on the flip side, we've been reliant on I real estate for a lot of like, years. But people's bottom line income has to do better, right? Like to, to sustain that. I don't know. Look at T.O. T.O.'s been doing this for what, 40 years now? Yeah. Being completely reliant on real estate. That whole it, city has been reliant on the real but estate. But it also world. produces disproportionately relative to the rest of the country. Like they're not a good reflection of what our GDP per capita would be because in Toronto it would be a lot higher. I would think it totally yeah. is because they have, but like the only other industry is really financial industry. Yeah. But it's, it's financial and real estate. It's weird. Cause like you look at Alberta, they produce a massive portion of GDP, but their housing doesn't cost that much. Right. Like Toronto's big driver is the real estate. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of real estate, what while you, you've been away, markets got a little, little cuckoo. Oh, I don't know if you know about this. No. Market is popping. Market is popping. We're going to talk about that more next week. I thought you said Marcus went cuckoo. Marcus went cuckoo. Shout Mar- out Marcus. <laughs> Marcus, if you're listening. No, Chan- but Marcus Chanley did four ends last week. Like, Angela's doing a bunch of ends right now. It's crazy. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've been, I've been watching a bit. I've been seeing, again, multiple offers on most places. I've been getting messages. Uh, offer deadlines are important again. Man, I'm in one right now that there were seven as of last count, and that was, like, with hours to go before the deadline. I was in one, and that was in here in Halifax and Fairview. Another one down the Eastern Shore. I think there was eight offers on that. Uh, and then there's another one that we didn't even end up going to see. It was in kind of outside Dartmouth way, 19 offers, mm-hmm. right? This was something, it's still not as crazy as last year, but eight, eight, 19, seven, like these kind of offer situations. That, that's cooking. The numbers aren't going as crazy, but um, I don't know, man. I have one other note in here that I wanted to add okay. in here. Two other notes I want to add here before we just cut it off. Cause we switched from that really quickly. Sorry. I was listening to a Jordan Peterson podcast with Pierre Polivier. Oh, wow. And he... That's going to rile up someone. He, yeah, I was like, ooh. Um, both great speakers. They are both great speakers. And, and both worth listening to. They made mention of the fact that a smaller percentage of GDP in government jobs, on average, results in less poverty and more growth. So that was one thing they threw out there. Say that again. So less of, the, of our country's GDP tied up in government jobs. So like less basically in, in a and less poverty and more growth. Okay. On the flip side, again, I'm going to go back to my other thing of like, can real estate sustain this whole thing? If we get to a point where the Boston Dynamics robots robots are doing everything for everyone, anyways, and nobody has a job to begin with, are we not in a good place to be like we're preparing for that? Or effectively establishing basic incomes, just like and, fake yeah. killer jobs through the government. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, there, to some that's degree, kind of what we need. To some degree, that someone would say that, like, if everyone's employed by the government, the state, mm-hmm. that sounds a little bit like communism, which <laughs> tends to leave people poor if we're looking at history. Yes. So, I'm not saying I'm poor. I'm, I'm just say about that. I'm no, just no, but it's all the idea what we're talking about. Yeah, I so, have to watch that. I didn't see that. As a whole, 
I think we never answered the question. Why? What it was, it was why the standard of living in Canada is decreasing. Yeah. For me, it's literally plain and simple taxation, which I know sounds like a cop-out answer, but I actually believe based on the impacts that it has on the businesses that are here, they just don't want to stay. I think, um, I, I think you're right. I think that the grant stuff also matters quite a bit. We've got to start pouring money into it in the same way we pour money at everything else. Mm -hmm. I never understand why we don't pour money into making independent, well-running corporations potentially, as opposed to just wasteful, gluttonous government spending. Like, let's just build some roads and, and whatever, like, which tend to be like the most wasteful thing ever because they get hosed by mm -hmm. the contractors and there's seven people holding a sign, you know, for well, the construction. There's only two contractors <clears throat> that can are big enough to land the contracts. And it's not something that then continues to produce revenue down the road. No. No pun intended. By contrast... <sighs> They put that grant money out there. Man, you could invest in these companies, and even if a bunch of them flop, the ones that hit are going to hit, and they're going to be better-paying better jobs um, to higher-level human capital mm -hmm. with potential upside and then continue to employ down the road and, and, and pay all kinds of dividends. So I don't know why we don't do enough spending on that. But I really think that if we're going to bring people in, we have a great opportunity to bring in some of the best and brightest, and we need to empower them. Agreed. Right, so... What do you think? Comment below. <laughs> Don't sound so excited about it. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, do actually always. let us know what you think. It's hard not to be a little depressed sometimes when you think about the state of the, uh, the economy and kind of where it's going over time. I'm just excited that we're, we're critiquing some of these things. I don't mean us, you and I. I mean, people looking at this and be like, all right, maybe we need to change what we think it means to be Canadian because we have these ideas of what it means to be Canadian. It's like, well, that's not really keeping us competitive and keeping us up where we like to think we are, which is a great country to live in and no country's better than us. Like, eh, I don't know. There's definitely some countries that are better and, than us. And I think we all forgot because the last couple of years, everyone's been making money hand over fist. And so now and you're like, hmm, wait a second. Yeah. Money's not flowing out of the seams. Let me take a look at what's going on. Then it, it's not so exciting and you start to, to dissect it a bit more. But anyways, thanks for listening. Tune in next time. Thanks so much for watching the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, press like. Don't forget to subscribe. But also check us out on Instagram and TikTok. You can find all the links below. Thanks again for checking us out. Broke, I had rich habits. Uh. When I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh.